and welcome to One to One. And Christmas is everywhere just now. So happy Christmas to everyone. And a big welcome to my guest, Jessica, Jessica Hall. Hello. Hello. But we're not going to talk just about Christmas. That's a lovely subject because Jessica has a very interesting job, really. And I do want to find out about it. So now when I hear the word NHS or the letters NHS, because that's for whom you work. Yeah. My mind conjures up doctors and nurses and ambulance drivers. It was a very good program uh, late in the evening. And I really had respect for those who went out on ambulances at that time. Anyway, But there's, oh, so many. There's accidents, there's different types of illnesses, physical and mental. But Jessica, your title is, has art in it, art therapist. So it's not immediately obvious what you do. I mean, I could just say you cover a wall with pictures and ask them what they're about. <laughs> I don't know whether that's what happens. <laughs> oh, did you train to do this? I did train to Tell do this. Tell us about that, please. Yeah, so um, most art therapists have a first degree in some form of art and design. Mm. And then the next part is um, an MA. And it's it's normally an MA in art therapy. Several different universities around the country will do that. Um, it can be two years full-time, three years part-time. You'll have to undertake your own therapy. There'll be supervision. There'll be placements. Um, you can work with children, people with learning disabilities, um, in schools. Um, there's so many different environments. Cancer care, for instance, palliative, palliative care. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all sorts. And I'm in adult mental health. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how did you find out about this and why were you attracted to it? Was that from school, from college? Or? Not really. I mean, a very, very long time ago, I think I was lucky enough to see what we termed the sort of forefather of art therapy, Edward Adamson, who um, worked in one of the old... Um, sort of mental institutions I suppose and kind of instigated art therapy on the wards and I saw him talk but it was when I was very very young um, I was interested but I didn't necessarily associate it with the career choice at that time. Right um, so you went to uni and uh, had a course in? I did theatre design oh. I did yeah, I know. Very. So you could do something quite different if you wanted. Yeah, well, I did actually for 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 a, a number of years. I worked in film and TV and theatre and did um, special effects and props and things like that. Wow. Um, yeah, so there was a time when everything was done by hand. It's much more computer generated now, of course, um, and I didn't really particularly want to move into that field. And I also wanted something a bit more regular and. Um, I was also undergoing my own process of therapy. So everything, in a sense, came together for me. Right. Um, uh, do you live on your own or have you got a family or husband or whatever? Yeah, so I've got a family, he, uh, he, uh, husband. He's also an art therapist. Oh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> where you met. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. and uh, we, have a, we have a son, yes. Ah, so how do art and therapy go together? I know that when I'm painting... I'm in a world of my own for maybe an hour, just concentrating and loving doing it. Mm. Um, is there a sort of theory about this? You know, one, well, it's the two, it's three, it's this sort mm. of thing. Well, it is an interesting question, isn't it? Because I think, um, you know, many would say that art, the process of art making is sort of meditative and inherently therapeutic, which I think mm. is true. Um, but I think... 
What's different about art therapy is that you are working with a therapist. You're there with somebody else. And they are there as a guide. They're facilita <coughs> facilitating a process of change. So you have a process of art making you have the and you, and you hopefully come up with an image of sorts and that can give a sort of perspective and a distance from the thoughts or the feelings or the event that you're trying to kind of put into the art making mm. does the um the, the one who's with you the therapist um suggest what you paint or what somebody paints and do they other they're on their shoulders saying what about that mountain being a bit taller or a bit whiter or something or not quite like that well that's I suppose that's more didactic it's got it, that, that's more sort of about teaching and there is such a big difference you know we're, we're not teaching how to do something in art we're really sort of trying to facilitate a, a, an inner dialogue <clears throat> Um, something that is much more metaphorical or symbolic because, you know, images can hold many, many different meanings. They can hold different meanings at different times for people as well, you know, and sometimes um, they need to stay on the piece of paper and not be talked about. Sometimes the actual act of making something yes. and the um, sensory motor activity can be part of the process of healing as well because there is so much evidence to say that trauma is held in the body now um, and it's about sort of being able to allow that trauma to be released from the body so we can work with art materials in a way that allows that to happen with mark making and form and line and the movement of the body within that process. Fascinating. Can you um, give an example without giving any names of someone who comes to you? I mean, do you have to vet them before you have them? Or uh, when this person first comes and you meet in a studio or in a room, how does it unfold? Can you give me a little... Mm, yeah. So, I mean, we have a, a theory that un, that underpins our practice. So um, it's uh, interested people might want to look up this. I mean, that you can find it very easily on Google, but there's attachment theory. Um, Bowlby was the founder of that. There's a theory called object relations, which is mainly akin to Winnicott's. There's other people as well. Um, and then mentalization that comes out of psychoanalysis, which is Vonnegut and Bateman. So all these are sort of basic um, theoretical concepts that underpin practice. Indeed. I mean, so, I've never heard of any of them because I haven't been in that area, but I'm amazed how it's quite formalized in a way. Yeah. Was this in the last 20 years that people decided this should be the way of doing it? Well, it is a relatively new profession, so it's really only become a profession since the 1970s right. from the first training um, at St Albans Art School, actually, was one of the the, the first places to, to formalise the training. Right. Yeah. So uh, you had gone on a course to know how to train others, because you, um, yes, or you're facilitating, that's the right word, mm. what they should do. Mm. So when people come to me, you know, in adult mental health, people are, are in very high levels of distress. And the way that the NHS has 
changed in mental health over the years means that I'm in what's called secondary services. So people might come with, say, a mild case of depression and get seen by what's known as the wellbeing team. But I see people who are much more unwell than that. So they might be self-harming, they might have been sexually abused, they might have been groomed, they might have schizophrenia, they might have long-standing issues with mental ill health, Um, you know, quite severe end of mental health. Mm. Um, And, you know, one works in different ways depending on the environment. Uh, uh, Say if I was working on acute ward, it would be much more gentle and much more about the art making itself than it would necessarily be about the therapeutic relationship or trying to sort of um, understand more of the root cause of the issues. You know, people in 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 distress really just want to feel better. Yeah. Um, whereas if they come as an outpatient in community setting, it might be we look at some longer term issues over time mm. that are causing this. Are there establishments in this area in this county where there are people who are in distress who have issues who stay, um, you know, over a period? You know what I mean? I'm trying to get my idea on, <clears throat> like, a mental hospital is not the right sort of modern-day term, but these are people who have difficult issues and they are permanently residing there for a period of time? Okay? Um, or not? Again, Different. well, you know, I mean, it, 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 <clears throat> there, are, there are plenty of issues with people staying too long in hospital because we can't move them on oh right and and this is you know it's a it's a social issue i mean it's a huge issue you know Uh we can't we Uh can't find places in the community for people um and it's more so probably these last couple of years i should think with covid yeah i mean you know it's just people have been in 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 a lot of distress and and impatience you know the demands on inpatient settings have gone up massively Mm. But I work in the community, as I said, so I can see people over time for therapy. How do you see them in the community? Do you go to where they are? Um, and you know what I mean? Or are you recommended to everybody? You don't hold a meeting and say, ah, this is my community meeting. I'm, I'm sorry, going overboard a bit, but I'm trying to visualise how you contact the people in your community so that they can come back to you and be helped. Well, yeah, I mean, we get GP referrals and um, okay. we get people self-referring and they, um, we give them a, what's known as an initial assessment um, so they can be seen by um, any member of the team, that's social workers, nurses, psychiatrists, depending. We try and look at the referral and see what they might need. You know, um, uh, I'm on what's known as the, a psycho- psychology rotor, so I'm one of the people who will have a psychological perspective on somebody who comes mm-hmm. in and present that to the team. Um, and then the team will discuss and we will think what form of therapy might be best or is it a medication review? You know, those kind of things, basically. Mm. Can you think of somebody um, who wouldn't recognise themselves but and without name to just describe one person who you've helped and how this person came to you and what you did with him or her and if or not he progressed or she, you know, Mm. yes, give Mm. us a model. Okay, so um, I saw somebody um, 
for a number of years and I have to say that now with waiting times it's much harder to see people for year, for a number mm, of years right. but she came through um, from her GP who'd recommended art therapy to her. She'd had other forms of sort of counselling in the past but it's always been um, too difficult for her to continue one way or another so it was thought that art therapy might help um, sort of giving her some distance from um, you know some of the difficulties mm. and um she um, had been sexually abused by her father from a young age um, and through her teenage years. And she also had um, big, big problems with her mother. And her brother, who she was close to, had unfortunately died in an accident when she was a young adult. Oh, so it was really quite tragic. However, she did have her own family and she had three children. Um and and a husband that it was a sort of tricky relationship. Anyway, through the sort of process of art making, she started to some of the symptoms that she had always had, which would come up when she was stressed or in distress. She started to sort of recognise through the imagery what they were, and she worked incredibly hard in practicing how she could sort of um, change this for herself as well. So, for instance, in the early days when she made some pictures, she couldn't bear to look at them. What, what came out had to be just put to one side before she could start to sort of reintegrate it into her understanding of what had happened. And can and I just interject there? Did you suggest what she created, whether it was in paint or drawing sometimes. or sculpture? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I would suggest, sometimes, what often happens is it comes out of conversation at the beginning of a session, You so right. someone will will lead me there and I say, would you like to make an image of that, right. you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's, that's often how it would happen. Yes. Yeah, so it was a very, very gradual process of sometimes, you know, just lifting up the corner of the picture after she'd done it to have a quick look and then eventually she'd take a picture and she'd quickly look at the picture on her phone. Um, you know, so it took a while for us to sort of actually turn out, you know, really properly look at it and start mm. to say, this is what happened. And then there was a huge amount of shame as well, because people who've been sexually abused yes. feel responsible. They feel that they're at fault. Mm. Um, you know, so there were she made an incredible um, image that was all about the shame, actually. I won't right. say exactly what it is, mm. but it, it really did help her sort of gain Get some distance. Yes. Yeah. And it was yes. actually something that she could physically put on as well and take off mm. and that the action of doing that was very meaningful and shedding herself of this um yes. yeah so but every person is, is different in their needs you've they got are. to be quite uh, with it in touch to just touch the right uh, spot yeah i i i think that's all part of our training as well you know, we have to be really, really mindful of how we are being affected by other people's material, you know, what they bring. And right. we, have, we have supervision. You know, supervision is, is essential. It's, it gives us an opportunity. The supervision of you. Yeah, so right. we all have supervisors. So, um, or I, I could say it's reflective practice, for instance. Supervision sounds, it's like someone poking their nose in and telling you what to do, which it isn't. You know, it's... It, it's but there'd be somebody to look at... at every week at your work even if they didn't peer over your shoulder tends to be once a month once you've qualified (laughs) (laughs) yeah but when you're training yeah once a week it should be once a week 
yeah yeah so and then you you know you you help this helps to digest it all and 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 helps you know they can the supervisor can point out where you might become overly involved say for instance or you might not see something Mm. you know or that you're muddling up something that's happened to you with them you know because you can get triggered you know you can get triggered by what people bring in all sorts of different ways you want to you know we all go into the helping professions to help Mm -hmm. you know so it's sort of about being able to stand back from that need one's own need and see what somebody else really could benefit from Mm. And when you say you take things um, to yourself and home, well, in your mind, it, it's filled with things rather than you don't take a picture home, you know? Or... No, I mean, we have a portfolio of pictures for each person that builds up over time and it's it's kept, you know, in a safe place. Mm. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have a really good room where I work, so it's, it's kept in there. And then they can take the work when therapy ends and that's mm. the body of work for them to take and reflect on. Yes. Do you have in your room an individual who you're working with or several people over different, you know, do you Mm. help several people at the same time? Mm, Yeah, a group. Yeah, I mean, the dynamics in groups can be really different. Um, You know, if you're you're working with groups, you're, you're, everybody brings their family to therapy, you know, their internalised family. You know, so and and the group itself starts to make a kind of family. And you Mm. can imagine that everybody has this sort of sense of, you know, things that have gone wrong or things that that have been okay in a family. Mm. And that Mm. sort of gets put into the mix, if you like, you know, and you have to kind of consider certain things. You know, some people can manage a group. Some people can't. Some people are simply not able to listen to other people's stories for one reason or another, you know, or it becomes too much for them. And also I think that people generally need a little bit of individual work before they go into a group. It's a little bit like saying uh, a mother and baby, you know, a parent and baby need to be together before the before they're ready to go to toddler group. Yes. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. Oh, speaking to the mother... with lots of babies wow there's so much more to it than I think any of us understand really what I have you some it's a trite jargon but success stories you know that afterwards they become quite able to cope with the situation well the woman I just mentioned yes you know but I think one of the things um you know that it's that defines mental health from physical health is the fact that you have to keep working. You know, you have to keep working on your mental health. You know, it's not like an operation and you can have something extracted and it goes away. Um, You know, I've forgotten who said it, but I think the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. I think it might have been said by a politician, actually. But I think that's true. You know, I think you have to just keep practising, keep noticing, keep doing things that help, keep supporting yourself. You know, and, and that's one of the things, you know, that can be it's like another tool for people once once they get the art making once they get this that that sort of part of it they can take it with them they can carry on using it use it to reflect on themselves make an image when they feel a certain way Mm. you know let it speak to you do you get um quite a lot of single people on having to cope with being on their own or is it more people in difficult relationships you know Mm. or it depends Uh, i suppose do you have any single people who you're helping well yeah I do I mean you know sometimes both those things are that they're both sort of 
two ends of the same sort of issue in a way. I mean, we, we you know, we're social creatures. We need other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the struggle with relating and the struggle with intimacy is something that affects all of us in different ways, whether you try to avoid intimacy you know, whether you try to avoid relationships or whether you become sort of too involved so you lose your own sense of identity. Um, Mm. You know, and these are both sort of attachment issues, if I were to put it in that framework. Mm. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I see people on both ends of that spectrum, if you like, you know, who struggle with those things. We all do. Yes. And you and others who are in this uh, form of work have to be really careful that you don't let emotions take you too far on one way or another I should imagine you know and you've you've got to keep that picture of them this is this is work I'm not going to take that burden on myself you know of what Mm. they're sharing with you Mm. it's 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 a subtle line to walk Mm. you know I've seen people become burnt out it can be very easy to become burnt out you know, mm. with the sort of weight of, you know, what you might be carrying um, to become cynical or, um, you know, to try and put people in categories, you know, and sort of write them off. Um, and I think, you know, one has to be very sort of cautious that, that, about that, really, and to sort of be able to still feel and to be with someone and to give them your wholehearted attention and to empathise, but at the same time be able to step back, as you say, you know, and and to... Have your own life. Yeah, exactly. Ah, yes. So I should think the ultra-sensitive person would be well to do something else because they'd take everybody's difficulties into their own self, wouldn't they? Well, perhaps you need ultrasensitivity to understand. It's a yeah, uh, a different one, difficult. I would I would hope that once people are trained, that's part of what they've started right. to learn about it's themselves. The yes. Yeah, it is the training. How did you feel about your training? Did you discover things that you thought you you thought you knew yourself well, or? Um, um, I'm always discovering things. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about this work, actually, is that, right. you know, people will always challenge you to think differently. You're always learning. You know, there's always something um, new to kind of take on. And, and, and you know, that's, yeah. that's part of the challenge, the fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is NHS... I wonder how long they have included this side of um, healing, in a way. I I shouldn't think 50 years ago they did this. Yeah, I think in the old, um, you know, mental institutions or the asylums, as they were known, and there there were several in this area because um, historically art therapy was in Hill End Hospital and some of the other ones around here. So they have been in hospitals for, you know, probably since the late 70s early 80s and and as I said some of the people who first started worked in a very different way you know they'd have a huge studio they'd have you know tables and easels and they'd just sort of go around and allow people to kind of you know Mm. draw and paint and you know it it was a much more sort of 
One um, size fits all? Well, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Just letting the art... out all, yes. Yeah, just letting the art do its work, if you like, before we started to really understand or have a theory that underpinned, you know, the, the therapeutic process, I suppose, in, mm. in, in relational terms. Mm. Well, it's one, uh, one aspect of the NHS that I don't think many people even think about, really. They think of NHS as hospitals and normal things that you get wrong with you and get cured or don't or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. it's lovely that you can use your skill of art and having been trained to understand how the mind works of these diff- of different people. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it is really fascinating. And, you know, like I said, we're constantly understanding how the mind works you know we're constantly Mm, mm. finding you know in in the time that I've worked um, as an art therapist I have changed the way that I've worked you know because of new concepts new Mm -hmm. theories coming up you know and it's about taking that on board and adjusting you know how you work with people as well um yeah so (laughs) whoa um, yes, it's Christmas. Very shortly, it's Christmas. Does that make any difference to people? Is it? A, 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 could it be a time when they have terrible memories or brilliant memories? It could be either, I suppose. Do you notice a difference, a sort of lightness in everybody when you do it around Christmas time? Um, I not? would say for the most part that it's a very difficult per- period for people really? who come with mental yes. health difficulties, yeah. I think it, you know, because it's to do with family so much of the time. Christmas is to do with family and family is really fun. You know, fundamentally, it's behind what's let let these people down, Mm. you know, one Mm. way or another. Yes. Unfortunately, and continues to, you know, a lot of the time. Mm. Difficulties in relationships, difficulties in family, difficulties in, you know wider environment, society, you know, there's so many things that cause ill health. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, for the next, um, I think it's week, fortnight, etc., we pray that they won't go down in the pit, but we'll join in even, well, perhaps we'll meet up with somebody else if they're on their own. Can I just say, I am doing, for anybody who's interested, myself and my yoga teacher are going to be running a workshop at the end of January, the 30th of Jan- January, for anybody who is more interested in the mind and body links. And you can book for this on Hey Karma Yoga. How do you spell the Hey Karma? So H E Y K. Oh, hey. And a different word, Karma. Karma. K A R M A. K A R M A. Right. Where, and that is on, on email, is it? Mind and body. Hey Karma or Hey yeah, Karma. Yeah, it was www dot Hey right. Karma Yoga. Um, and she she's local. Um, so the work workshop will be run locally. I think we're planning on the YMCA. Mm. Um, right. So yes, that is lovely. Yes, anybody's interested. Right. So let's. Uh, I'm just going to put the last bit of Christmas music on, and you can repeat that clearly. Sometimes people haven't got their pencils ready. Yet, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is in January. It is. And tell us again exact details. So um, we are running a yoga and art therapy workshop and it will, it will be for a day 
and it's on the 30th of January and it's www.heykarmayoga if you're interested in booking. Just <laughs> Jessica Hall, thank you so much and we hope you have a, a lovely Christmas yourself. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you.